Hello! This is this month's uh, preview episode of Watch Out for Fireballs on Shadowrun Dragonfall. Uh, this episode contains the generalities, so it's about an hour or so, talking about the game generally and its history. If you want to hear the full shebangle, you can go to patreon.com slash techfeedtv. $5 gets you all of the premium episodes we've ever done. Uh, you can donate and then leave after you've heard them. That is fine with us. If you go to www.fivebuckducks.com, you can see all the episodes we've done, as well as everything you get at that uh, that Patreon tier. We really appreciate you. Uh, we'd appreciate it if you gave it a look. Otherwise, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with a dispatch. Thanks. <laughs> My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a Game Club podcast. And this week we're talking about Shadowrun Dragonfall, which is a tactical RPG developed and published by Harebrained Schemes for the PC in 2014. And it is our premium episode. Yeah. This month. Yeah. It's not that all the other episodes are drag. It's just that this one is extra premium. And boy, guys, yep. it's going to be a long one. <laughs> so Cole pulled a Shadowrun slang term for bad, but couldn't reach for one for good. Yes. You whiz. Know, P- whiz? Okay. Whiz is one of them. Whiz yeah, is whiz, one chum. of them. See, the yeah. thing about Shadowrun is that not a lot of things are good enough to describe as good. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a bleak setting. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and it's, it's all part of the charm. Mm. Um, so if you're hearing this, uh, you know, regardless of which, um, if you are hearing this on the public feed, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to do generalities. And then the full episode is for patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're hearing this on Patreon, you get the full shebango. Um, if you decide to patronize us, you get all of the premium episodes. Mm-hmm. So it's five bucks for 12 or 13 um premium episodes uh you can check out some of our best episodes and yeah. if you just uh donate for a month and then listen to those and then undonate does not bother us it's yeah. built into our thing if you, um if you would like to see a menu of what all is available on that uh go to five yeah and uh and you get even more at ten dollars mm-hmm. uh, we really appreciate people who support us yeah. here in the uh, first premium episode of the new year yes um and it's a spicy one oh yeah. the fuck up i know <laughs> we, we said that for human revolution um, but this is potentially going to be a much longer episode. Yep. Um, and it's good because, you know, because it's good. Yeah. It's a good um, game, it's, guys. It's, it's, yeah, it's a great game. No, this, is, this is a great game. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. This is a great game. Yeah. Um, so this began as an expansion for 2013 Shadowrun Returns, uh, but it got a standalone release as the director's cut. That's the version we're talking about. It is by far the superior version. And it might be the only version you can play now. Um, I have done both. Yeah. And, uh, and I cannot imagine going back. Yeah, so. they, they they backported like they made a principled choice that uh, people who bought the original one just should get the expansion, which is yeah. a nice thing that a lot of publishers like this are doing, which is good. yeah, it, it's awesome. Yeah. Um. So in this, you play as a shadow runner. You are leading a team in the anarchist free state of Berlin. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2054, your pre- your previous leader, uh, Monica, uh, she was killed on what was supposed to be a milk run, but there's no such thing as a milk run. Um, mm-hmm. And you are tasked with solving her murder and getting revenge. So there's a big game long mystery that you are trying to unravel. Yes. And w- one of the things I love about this game um, is that this game, the plot of this game is unapolog- unapologetically complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like, you know, this is not difficult to understand mm-hmm. but it has like the same kind of twists and turns and pacing that i think like good tv has now yes basically like you're, there's a lot of uh, set of new reveals there's a lot of background detail uh that you can pick up that just adds a lot of shade to things mm-hmm. um and it has a uh, i'm gonna make a bold you know last episode you know i made the the, the bold statement 
uh, or in the Dusk episode, rather, about that being the Shovel Knight mm-hmm. of that. This, to me, is not um, that being the Shovel Knight to that. Boy, that was not a comprehensible sentence. No. I was saying that uh, it was like Shovel Knight in that um, it's the way that you remember Doom games. Yes. Like Shovel Knight is the way you remember platformers. This is another bold statement, not along those lines, but I think that when I played this, um, and if Harebrained had continued on this trajectory, I think they would have been the heirs to the Obsidian throne. Yeah. Like, this has a lot of Obsidian DNA in terms of, you know, that unapologetic complexity and um, just hard choices. Mm-hmm. Hard choices, you don't have all the information, there's no right answer. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to do the best you can in a situation and know that you're, not, you're never going to make everybody happy. Yes. Uh, it has that kind of sense of kind of like realism to it that mm-hmm. I love in your Witchers three and your your Obsidian games. Yes. Um. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, good shit. It also has a lot of Obsidian stuff, and that content is not just gated by um your stats, but also gated by what you have managed to find. Like yes. exploration and investigation are a pretty big part of this. Additionally, you know, it's not as explicitly called out as in, say, a human revolution or whatever, but there are some very good dialogue boss battles in this that articulate very differently depending on what you have found. And also, like, do you know what this person values? Can you anticipate what their response might be? And that's a very difficult thing to do. There's a high degree of complexity involved in pulling that off, and they manage to do it quite well here. Yeah, again, for for an indie title, mm-hmm. you know, for like what is ultimately a modest title that was an expansion on a modest title, mm-hmm. um, you know, all kinds of Obsidian DNA. And we'll, we'll talk about it specifically, but like I think this set of companions gives most games a run for their money mm-hmm. in terms of like set like a team. Yeah. And you also know, extremely like good. the team dynamic in this yes. is really good. Um, and just the kind of I don't know, I felt loyal to these people and loyal to my greater neighborhood yeah like to the place like and that's not something that generally happens i generally follow my own kind of moral compass or whatever i saw my i felt myself like trying to get the team to be more cohesive and stick together and like factoring all of them into my decisions that i made for this it's a it's a feat it's a fucking feat like Mm -hmm. i'm i'm looking forward to dining on it because it was it was a joy to revisit yeah um, you know, so in the, the, that setting, that neighborhood we talked about is part of the anarchist free state of Berlin mm-hmm. uh, in Germany in 2054. Um, and uh, as we mentioned, uh, this is the Shadowrun setting for people who are not familiar with Shadowrun. Um, mm-hmm. We've done a few games in that series. This is a cyberpunk. Um, it's it's one of the original cyberpunk settings. It's not the original one mm-hmm. um, with the big innovation being uh, it is it adds magic and elves and dwarves and such. The idea is that all the Tolkienian stuff. Uh, works on a cycle. Mm-hmm. We have like a magical reawakening, uh, and this magical reawakening happened to happen at, during the cyberpunk future. Yes. Um, so we have that. And this is a really, really accurate and faithful uh, approximation of that setting, which I think is like arguably the best setting in tabletop. It's, it's they've never made a good game, <laughs> like it's never a good tabletop game. Like none of them are good rule sets, but yeah. like it's such a good setting. The yeah. splat stuff is so fucking good. Yeah, no, I got it. It just it just arrived today. I ordered the uh, the sixth edition core rulebook just to flip around in. Hell yeah, yeah. It's like just the the it's it's so weird because in those rulebooks a lot of times I'll flip right to the rules because I'm going to play mm-hmm. and I'll skip over the first third. That's all like, and the year was 2021 when this happened. Yeah, but that stuff is so good in Shadowrun. Mm-hmm. Um, it is just uh, cool as hell. Yeah. But, All of the stuff's cool. Yeah. But, like, it's really bleak, too, and that speaks to its credit. Like, you know, like we said, not, you know, not, not too many things are whizzed. Lots of stuff is dreck for all of yeah. the cyberpunk reasons that are generally, you know, held to be true. Uh, corporate domination uh, of basically everything, hypercapitalism, things like that. But the addition of the magical races after the awakening caused a whole lot of, like, racial tensions to pop up and yeah. all kinds of, like, weird factionalism as a result of, like, how to major fit into the society and something that this game deals with specifically is the question of dragons you know these you know basically immortal you know or at least millennia long lifespan beings that come into the world and immediately start consolidating power not through you know brimstone and fire but through like political machinations and business machinations and corporate and mergers and stuff yeah yeah it's just endlessly clever it's like a thing where on the on the face of it that sounds dumb as hell mm-hmm. 
You know, someone just like, like what if there was a, a dragon boss? A dragon like, named Dunkelzon yeah. is is elected is to the president, president of Canada yeah. and the United States. <laughs> yeah, that sounds sounds foolish on its face, but <laughs> I assure you, if you're not familiar with Shadowrun, they pull it off. Mm-hmm. It's cool uh, in in the game. Um, you know, so so dealing with all of that stuff is really cool. There's a quote from the first, uh, the second edition rule book, which is the first one I read when I was in high school, um, that all I always stuck with me is that. The way racism changed is like, why would you worry about the the black human down the street when there's a guy with horns right next to him? Yeah. You know, and, and that's a, like a, a, a resonant idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it allows it's a really rich setting that allows them to do a lot of stuff, like a lot of political and social commentary. Yeah. Uh, in the way that you want uh, cyberpunk. Yeah. And the way do. they like, want any yeah. sci-fi, but cyberpunk in particular. Exactly. Yeah. You know, cyber, cyberpunk is about class. Yes. You know, it's an aesthetic and the aesthetic is valuable. There's been mm-hmm. a lot of discourse because of the CD Projekt Red game coming out about like, that's not real cyberpunk. Like, you know, and it's like, I, I don't really care for the gatekeeping around that. I think cyberpunk mm-hmm. can be an aesthetic. It's a bunch that's, of different stuff. It's a bunch of things. Yeah. You know, like saying it, it's, it's only one thing is a little irritating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is all the things. This is yeah. the aesthetic, and it's also the politics mm-hmm. yeah. of cyberpunk. Like it is a full cyberpunk. Yeah, and when we talk about this being in you know the anarchist free state of Berlin in 2054, that's like that's not the present day in in Shadowrun. Like no. this is this is a very particular moment in in you know in the history, and like this deals an awful lot with like is anarchy sustainable what forces yes. can it stand up against like at what level you know like how big and how powerful can like an individual in a neighborhood get before it starts kind of reasserting a power structure that other other people are going to like buck against yes yeah it's also just in terms of gameplay you know mm-hmm. the shadowrun one of the reasons why shadowrun has had such a great track record i think in terms of video games mm-hmm. is that it has that natural uh witcher uh, Baldur's Gate 2 structure where you can you have an excuse for a thousand little short stories mm-hmm. like just saying you know so in this game you have to raise money you know like Baldur's Gate 2 yeah uh, and that's so you know we talked we heaped a lot of praise on the structure of that because yeah. it gives you an excuse to do a large variety of tasks mm-hmm. uh, in any order you want um, and those can take you to all kinds of different exotic locales and and doing strange things and it fits within the narrative yeah like you're not you know, Fallout 4, you're not ignoring saving your son mm-hmm. to go solve someone else's problems. You're solving someone else's problems in order to save your son. Yes. And it, it, it just puts the cart behind the horse in a way that video games generally don't. Mm-hmm. And just it, it's a, it's amazing how good it feels. Yep. Like, yeah, I'm going to go do this thing because I need the money. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have to contort myself in any hoops No. to need the money. I just need the money. And maybe I'm going to make this choice that is like a little bit suboptimal because I need the money. Mm-hmm. I need the money for the greater good. This is those are the like the levels of questions this game is asking me. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking whether, you know, to eat the puppy or save the puppy. Yeah. I'm not asking, you know, whether it is good to be honorable or whether it is honorable to be evil. Yeah. You know, or any of this horse shit. Yeah. You you're, know, like it's it's not doing that. You're making you you're a professional in this. You know, we talked about yeah. that in The Witcher as well, but like I don't know, it's fun playing this game as an operator. Right. Yeah. You know, and again, playing into the team dynamic like checking their pulses but also making decisions as, as the leader and all of the dialogue supports that yeah yeah yep very much um, so you know and that structure you know where you are doing all these different odd jobs and doing these missions you mentioned this having a like a good tv structure um that leads to that as well like there's all kinds of little micro plots that happen while a macro plot slowly advances and sometimes mm-hmm. the micro plots give you a little bit of insight into what's happening but most of all it's like a it's a way for interesting things to happen and to give you space to learn about your you know your characters to learn about yeah. your team and stuff and it's just yeah. it's it's really really cannily done Yep. The the rhythm is very intentional mm-hmm. to this in terms of, you know, it is time for combat. Mm-hmm. It is time for downtime to get to know my people. Yeah. It's time for exploring an area to learn more about the world and more about this mystery. That is a good thing that they pulled from Bioware. Returning to oh, the, yeah. you know, returning to the Normandy to check it out to check up on your buddies, you know, returning yeah. to whatever the Millennium Falcon is and go to stuff like that. Yeah, you're not gonna. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah, that that kind of thing is is always Always useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you begin uh, starting you making with character creation. Um, you have a lot of different pre-made skeleton, uh, specialties. You can create your own custom class if you like. Um, you know, Shadowrun is officially a classless system, but there are, um, you know, there, there are kind of archetypes. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, they're hybrids and such. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of like combat and things, you got weapons, magic, and then tech, basically. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, so like a street samurai will be uh, will be just a regular fighter kind of person. A, a decker will be full tech. A rigger will be something in between, etc. Yeah, most of them will be something in between. Yes, like most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's it's very rare that you'll do a pure specialist. Yeah. Um, the character advancement in this works similar to the tabletop game, where you gain karma. Uh, by completing objectives uh, or doing side objectives. And these are put into attributes um, and skills, which determine kind of the, uh, well, attributes which determine the maximum value of skills, which you can also mm-hmm. put karma into. Yes. Um, and leveling up is really expensive. Uh, the way mm-hmm. that it works, it's almost like a shuttle run kind of thing, where to reach level five in a skill, you have to put in one to reach level one. You have to put in two to reach level two. It's like a Fibonacci sequence kind of thing. Yeah. 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 So which discourages making a complete generalist. Right. So you're 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 gonna make like the equivalent of a fighter mage to put mm-hmm. it in D D terms, but you're not gonna make a fighter mage thief. No. Unless you wanna suck at it. <laughs> right. Unless you wanna you not know? get anywhere. Not yeah. not pass any of your any of your checks. Yeah. Um so these skills and attributes, they determine your capability with weapons and attacks that you choose in combat. Uh, we're kind of focusing on combat here at the start because you spend a lot of time there and it's a really good combat system. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also determines like which weapons you're capable of wielding and which spells you can equip, etc. Yep. And and really, really key uh, what your chance to hit is. Yes. Because this is like a micro XCOM mm-hmm. a little bit it is turn based uh, action point system, you know, similar to like an old Fallout or what have you. Uh, but it is on a grid. Um, your characters start with two AP, so two action points. So similar mm-hmm. to D and D, like a move and an action. Yes. You, there's nothing stopping you from moving twice or or acting twice or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, and later you can you can increase this. You increase this with some abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, your AP it's very powerful. Um, and kind of the most your your weird secret weapon to this is that you can manage your AP as a team in any order you like. Yes. So you can make one character do one action, switch over to another character, have them do both their actions, then have that character finish. Etc. It means yeah. com- com- or combat is very complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you are managing, you know, the equivalent of a really like pretty intricate beast yes. with your whole team. And that plays into the theming. You know, the team is supposed to coordinate. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is necessary to do things like, hey, this character moves up here before they do their passive ability in order to beat this enemy out. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, when that enemy moves up into cover, my other character knocks them out of cover. And then my other my, my heavy hitter hits them. Yeah. You know, you at know. this point, like you have to coordinate. You have to think as a team. This character has an ability to break armor. So I'm going to break their armor so that everybody else can get their turns in. Yes. Um, but it depends on them succeeding with that. If they miss with that attack, I'm not committed to that plan. I can scramble everybody else. Exactly. You You're know? not like pre-programming or anything. There's plenty of room to improvise, which yes. again plays into the theme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I love that freedom, you know, it's mm-hmm. not pinned strictly to initiative like a Final Fantasy Tactics where enemy and ally and neutral characters, um, you know, are interleaved. It is you go, they go, you go, they go, but you can mm-hmm. do anything you want within any of those and, you know, w- w- within your time period, mm-hmm. um, in, in, in there and like managing AP, like, you know, something that is really powerful is using abilities that drain enemy AP and put them in the penalty box. Yeah. Yeah. Did t- turn denial yeah. is, uh, is really big, uh, here. Yes. Um, also cover mm-hmm. like, again, when I call it a mini XCOM, like cover is very important. Yeah. Um, and different things in the environment will give you different degrees of cover, you know, mm-hmm. like you can hide behind a folding chair, not going to do much. It'll do something. Uh, whereas like hiding behind a low wall will give you full cover and this determines, you know, damage reduction and also chance to hit in a really big way. Yeah. You know, and the, chance to crit. Yes. So like the, 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 the lowest level of cover, I think just eliminates the ability to, to crit on you. Yeah. Which is really huge. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so, crit- critical attacks, you know, like you can give somebody. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Um, it, it is big. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also have armor. Mm-hmm. Uh, so allies, enemies both have armors. I think this works as straight DR. So it's, it's, it's da- you know, damage reduction per attack. Yes. Um, and uh, you can also, uh, with different attacks or classes, you can degrade or ignore armor, which is really important for certain, you know, certain creatures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. like later on, you end up fighting gargoyles, which have massive, massive da- armor because they're made of stone. That mm-hmm. changes the way that you have to deal with them. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, like it, it makes buying better armor for your character in particular. I've got a, I've got a beef with the gear system in this, but like it makes buying better armor for your character in particular uh, one of the bigger upgrades you can get. Yeah. 
Um, you cannot buy armor for your companions, no, no. which I assume is what you're alluding to, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so a lot of combat happens with firearms. Something that is that caught me off guard in this is that there is a reloading system. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, ammo is unlimited, but after you fire a certain number of rounds, depending on the gun, you have to use AP to uh, reload that particular weapon. Uh, this yes. caught me off guard a lot. <laughs> like it meant that, you know, there were times where because of a lack of planning or for not taking that into account, I was not able to get off like the kill shot that I needed at the end of a round. So yeah. it's it's worth t- taking that uh, particular thing uh, in into account. Um, ammo capacity matters for different weapons. It, well, and different skills even. Yes. You know, a more powerful skill might look, you know, they both cost the same my AP. Why would I not use this more powerful skill? And it means you're going to have to reload sooner. Yes. It's just something you add to the the kind of complexity matrix of making tactical decisions in this. Right. Um, so ammo is semi-limited, or at least it is rhythm-limited. Similarly, uh, all you know, a lot of other skills are uh, limited by round cooldowns. I think there's maybe like one or two skills that are like, hey, once per encounter. But for yeah. a lot of them, it's like, okay, you fire this off and you can't use it again for another one, two, three, sometimes six rounds. Yeah. So, so, and, and the ones, I don't think there are any that say once per encounter, but mm-hmm. they're effectively once per encounter. Yeah, yeah. If they have a seven round cooldown, because combat's not going to take that long. Uh, generally, you know, um, so there are, uh, physical attacks and, and spells that have different kinds of damage over time mm-hmm. uh, that you can do. Um, there are also, uh, spells and consumables that have area effects. Yes. So all this stuff is kind of just, you know, tactics. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's like mini XCOM. <laughs> it's it, tactics, uh, area, yeah. area effect, like friendly fire is an effect as well. Um, mm-hmm. spe- you know, uh, for shotguns in particular, Grenade launchers uh, occasionally and um, grenades. Yeah, and gr- gr- grenades. Certain um, certain like rapid fire skills will also have friendly fire if like you are shooting at an enemy and um, somebody else is standing nearby. Also, mm-hmm. like if there are a bunch of enemies bunched together, you can hit all of them too. Yeah. Yep. Um, mages and shaman have additional tactical concern in terms of choosing cover because there are in different areas, there are things called ley lines, mm-hmm. um, where if they stand on a ley line, they get an amplification of their magic. Very rarely are powerful ley lines behind cover. Right. <laughs> uh, so that ends up just kind of being a, a little bit of a, a choice yeah. that you make. Risk reward. Um, there, yeah. Risk versus reward. Um, there's also, uh, essentially summons, um, shaman and riggers. Uh, in this, have the ability to uh, shaman, use a consumable to create an elemental. Mm-hmm. They can also find these in the environment. Yes. Um, and riggers have uh, little drones that they keep that mm-hmm. they can tap direct control into. Yeah. Um, having an active summon reduces your AP, but the summon has its own everything, like its own kit, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it works as a new uh, ally. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, can be a good distraction as well. Oh, yeah. The cannon foddering is, is great, specifically <laughs> with the way that uh, – and this was a, an innovation that Shadow Returns added. This isn't just from Dragonfall, but I love the way that uh, summons are done in this. I think mm-hmm. that uh, you know spirit summons are really elegant Yes, in this game. Yeah. I love the, uh, the gambling aspect. So uh, after every round, or I guess at the start of every round, you pick how much AP you want your particular summon to have. The more AP that you put in, so the more actions you want it to take, the higher the chance is that it breaks control. Yeah. And if it breaks control, that does not mean it turns on you. Right. Like there is a lot of tactical uh, advantage to be had in sending in a spirit that you do not think you'll be able to control anymore deep within enemy lines. Mm-hmm. And the they will fight amongst themselves. Yeah. You know, uh, during that. And that's like a, it's a great feeling. Like <laughs> um, it's a good reason whenever you see one of the environmental summons. Yeah. Like just there's one for free. Yeah. Uh, take it. And hey, free send dummy. It the enemy. <laughs> free dummy. Yeah. Hey, why not? Um, just that risk reward is really, really fun and mm-hmm. really, uh, key. You cannot dismiss a summon on your turn. You have to do it when you have control of the summon. Yes. So you can't, uh, roll the dice, get four AP and then dismiss it between turns. Mm-hmm. You have to roll the dice again. Yeah. Uh, you can only dismiss it when you have control. Yeah. Uh, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love that system a lot. Um, yep. I never really did this, so I never I didn't have a rigor character who used drones. How, is that functionally different? They break the game. Oh, cool. uh, the uh, I played as a rigor <laughs> for the first time through this. Um, you start off like a little bit underpowered, but then by the end of the game, I had essentially two extra runners. Like my character <laughs> would have because of cyberware would have four AP, so I could switch my character into being a two AP, you know, utility medic. 
Okay. And then have two extra runners who were incredibly powerful that had four AP uh, and the widest movement. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes a minute to get there. Like, but the, the ultimate and penultimate class of uh, drones uh-huh. are just incredible. Wow. Um, you know, and there's tons of special interactions through uh, the rigging skill that you get that are very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is uh, a good way. You know, previous when I play this game, I played this game twice before. Uh, once as a shaman and once as like a street samurai mm-hmm. character. Uh, this is definitely the easiest. Okay. Um, I played through on hard mm-hmm. um, and did not have a very hard time. Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I, I guess while I'm saying, you know, because you share what yours was, I played as a rifle specialized uh, street samurai. I mm-hmm. kind of wish that I would have done something that was a little bit less uh, newbie because, uh, you know, mm. be, because it is an easy way to get through the game or it is a low risk way to get through the game. Uh, this game structure kind of weird where it opens up with an incredible wake up call um, yeah. in terms of like survive it. Like the first mission, this is very difficult to survive. I found it to be very difficult to survive. Um, once I got beyond it, I was like, I don't know, like a maid seems kind of cool. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. And, and it, it's the difficulty is in this game is not perfectly even. Right, right. The idea, like what they're going for, and even in that first mission is like narratively, you barely make it out of there. Yeah. They yeah. didn't want that to be a one one, like mm-hmm. a Green Hill Zone. Right. You know, and uh, I think they, they basically pull it off. Later, you do some Green Hill Zones, but mm-hmm. it's pretty easy for things to go bad. Yeah. Which is a, is a big Shadowrun trope. Mm hmm. Like, you know, things don't go according to plan. You have to improvise. Yeah, and th- yeah. that plays out in the actual combat. Yeah. Um, the fact that you can control your whole team means that even if you don't get to play with a mage or play with a decker, you mm-hmm. still get to play with those toys. Yes. You uh, you are you're limited in the amount of like kind of customization of equipment of your team, but you cannot you have some control over it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you still got to play with Diedrich. Yes. You know, and do a little bit of mage stuff. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Um, so if things do go bad, if you have to, you know, reconvene, you can, you know, hop into cover, you can regroup, you can heal. Uh, mm-hmm. this is done through med kits and spells. There's like a wounding system in this, uh, yep. where like pretty, you know, the most commonly available healing spell is one that just basically recovers all of the damage you took on the last attack. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so those are the two and that's, uh, that's kind of the difference. So magic will always do that. Um, med kits will always heal a fixed amount. Yes. And they're, they're both important because mm-hmm. magic is basically free. Yep. Um, you know, it's not consumable, but it is of limited use. Yeah. So. Or, whereas med kits are limited, like you restock on them and you can give a certain amount. Everybody has very limited inventory that they can carry. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not really the case that you find a lot of those in the mission itself. Yeah. So when they're gone, they're gone. Uh, there are also trauma kits, which mm-hmm. are things that will bring a character down from, uh, you know, being downed uh, with a fraction of their HP. If you have a trauma kit, mm-hmm. um, I think you'll revive when you get knocked down. Yes. Generally, if you have one in your inventory. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to uh, Final Fantasy Tactics, you can only stay down for a certain amount of time. Um, if you stay down for three rounds, you get medevaced out and you'll be unavailable for the rest of the mission. Um, there are some missions where there's no medevacking mm-hmm. uh, during that, uh, but most of them you are not in risk of permanently losing a character, which makes sense because they are part of the narrative. Like they're yeah. very interleaved with the merit narrative. Mm-hmm. Is so. it the case? So I never had anybody downed. Um, so I had, I had the medevac a couple of times, but in those missions where medevacing is not available, it's like, do you lose them permanently there? Or is that just a failure condition? I assume it's a failure condition. Yeah. Yeah. I just, so, I can't imagine uh, and ending this without having everybody at the very end. Yeah, no, it, it's about this crew. So yeah. I also can't imagine that. I think that, um, yeah, I didn't, I haven't, didn't have anyone medevac during that mission either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, when you're not in combat, even when you're on a mission, uh, you can explore environments and interact with these non-hostile NPCs, uh, do kind of small little side quests, shop, mm-hmm. get background information, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you're doing this, your skills and attributes also work for exploring, so interacting with objects in the world and dialogue. Yes. Um, very Obsidian-esque. Uh, something Mm -hmm. that, uh, I took a lot of advantage of. So I rolled as a street samurai, but I put a lot of points into charisma. Mm -hmm. Um, and doing so, uh, lets you choose a limited number of etiquettes. This is like a particular, for lack of a better, better word, language that you can speak. Uh, you can ingratiate yourself to people of different backgrounds and stations. So like I, I picked academic, uh, so that I could, you know, basically try to outsmart people <laughs> or mm-hmm. like identify where they uh, are con- where they were contradicted uh by kind of previous work and things like that the vip for this is security 
Uh, security mm-hmm. is a magic skill. It is just a skeleton key. You walk up to somebody who um, is wearing armor and you spout out a bunch of cop talk and they say, all right, he's good. And then let yeah, you through. He's, he's okay. Let him go. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I ended up not doing, I've done that playthrough. Mm-hmm. I guess. This playthrough, I did not do that because initially my thought was, I was like, well, I've never fucked around with like hireable runners yeah, in this. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to try not taking blitz. So maybe I should try to be a rigor slash Decker, uh, which there's not as much overlap as, as I thought. Yeah. And yeah. ultimately didn't do that, but I was treating charisma a little bit as a dump stat early on Yeah, because I was trying to diversify. And then I, I gave up on that, but I did not have tons of etiquettes on this playthrough. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't feel like you have to, it mm-hmm. opens things up, but the game never actually says like, you can't move forward. Mm-hmm. You might only be able to do combat. Yes. You know, depending on what your things are, but usually there are there are always multiple ways to accomplish things. Again, in a very obsidian kind of uh, Deus Exe way, yeah. but you uh, you won't always have access to all of them, depending yeah. on your skills. Any given thing about your character can be a key to a lock that they have placed in the environment. Yes. Yeah. Um, even down to uh, you know conversations and stuff you've had. It's not just character creation options or stats. Mm-hmm. Like if you did something or you talk to somebody that will sometimes give you an option as well. Yes. And those are not always called out, but that's a really big part of the dialogue boss battles. Yes. Yeah. Oh. So you want to be getting into everything that you can. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I mean, just like there, there's one mission where there's an NPC along with you who just, just really, really is disgusted by you digging around in the trash, but yeah. you're only able to proceed because, Hey man, that's the job. Yep. <laughs> yep. yep. So. Um, so Deckers are kind of special in this. Uh, one of the big innovations that Shadow Returns made um, that I think is is really clever mm-hmm. is they made uh, the Matrix basically play out like the actual game. Right. It's not a completely um, different system. Yep. They, they just, you know, this is uh, Shadow Returns was made on a Kickstarter budget. Like they didn't have tons of money. They did something that I think is kind of smart. You know, just by saying, like, let's not build an entirely different minigame. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about the Super Nintendo one, which is kind of like Minesweeper. Uh, the Genesis one, which is like a turn-based RPG mm-hmm. um, that you do in the middle of this. This is – you. these are literally on the same map. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you zoom out far enough, you can see the Matrix <laughs> uh, in the same area you're yeah. at. Um, so this is, uh, you know, your character. You have different kind of skills, but it plays a little bit like a mage. Yes. Um, in there, you have spells and you have summons. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a distinct visual metaphor. You have chill wave beats to study to uh, as, you, <laughs> as you do so. And uh, you move much faster than the rest of the team. So the idea is you jack in. Everyone else is holding off, you know, security while you're trying to get a door open. Uh, this game models that really well. That is a very classic Decker situation. And it's the first uh, first time I've seen that modeled in, in a video game. Yeah, correctly. I just I, I love decking in. And then mm-hmm. going in and like, okay, uh, this battle is swinging against me. And then, boom, I take control of the turrets. And all of a sudden, just that's yep. the problem. Yep. It's a, it's a really good feeling. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you are provided with a, with a well-rounded team of Shadowrunners uh, as story companions. Um, but you can also hire these mercenary runners if you want to. I did not do this. Um, how does that play out? I have no idea. I, nope. I didn't this time because I originally intended to, but then I didn't spec a Decker, which meant I needed Blitz. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, you know, I was like, well, I'll take Diedrich and take uh, Glory, or not Glory, uh, yeah, Iger mm-hmm. uh, with me because I like them. Yes. So uh, that's basically how Shadowrun Returns works, mm-hmm. is you, you're you always uh, just t- yeah, hiring people. And it, it's, you know, you just choose someone to complement your skills. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have, like, a, they don't have personality or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Yeah, I'm just curious because, like, when you're in these missions, your companions will offer their opinion about something or, like, they will apply their expertise. You know, Glory Mm -hmm. will, um, you know, chime in with her medical opinion about something that's happening that that, that you're seeing. And you could just say, like, have your Decker do this. Like, there's some things you need to do, but there's some things you can be like, hey, you know, Iger, bust down this wall. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and they'll do that. I don't know if you can still do that with mercenaries. This was the playthrough I was going to try to fuck around with them. And yeah, I just yeah. couldn't bring myself to do it because the team of companions is too good. Yes, so. yeah, that they are. They, they are tough to ignore. But I would be curious yep. if they if they did impart particular personalities. I talked with one of them in the bar mm-hmm. uh, and she was re- she was real skeptical about like Monica's yeah. leadership of the of, of the Keats. But I, I, that's a that's a lucky strike. I, yes. I think she is there um, primarily. So she ties into 
the next game a little bit. Mm-hmm. She she used to run with one of the characters in the next game. Yeah. And she uh, is there, I think, mostly to put forward that opinion. Gotcha. Like she is there to, you know, to entertain that argument. Mm-hmm. But no, there's no no consequence. It's just to, to, to in the marketplace of ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, she's throwing down a dog in that fight to really mix this metaphor. <laughs> the marketplace of dogs. The mar- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, how much is this puppy in the window? <laughs> Shummer. <laughs> um, so uh, like I alluded to earlier, uh, you have shops that you can go to, uh, but you really only have control over your own armor, weapons, and inventory. Uh, you can stock up. You have a stash. You lend your consumables uh, to your companions to make sure they have a uh, a kit. Uh, but their starting material and their own gear is determined by kind of some advancement choices that you make. And yeah, the advancement choices, which, uh, so basically, and this was something that they added into the director's cut, mm-hmm. uh, version is control over this. Um, they have kind of two branches they can go through. So they have five level ups, each one you can choose a different perk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but so like at level two, you can choose between two perks, but you get this, uh, static stat increase and equipment upgrade, uh, based on that. Sometimes you can jump that like, Oh, I want this piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes doing their loyalty missions will give them a new piece of equipment as well. Yeah. Um, but the idea being is that they're independent operators, you know, they're part of the team, but they also just take care of their shit. So yeah, like they get their know, own money from the yeah. payouts, from the big jobs. Yeah. you do. So the, the idea being, and so their consumables refresh. Mm-hmm. So like, for example, with Diedrich, the, the shaman that you have, um, you can, he'll always start with these two summons if I want him to have a more powerful summon because a mission will be difficult, mm-hmm. uh, I can give it one Yes, and kind of juice him a little bit, but he, and he uses those two summons. Those will refresh. The one I loaned him will not. Yeah. So, yeah. um, so when you are going around shopping, you can, you can also stop by a medical clinic and get some cyberware augmentations. Mm-hmm. Uh, these provide consistent boosts, uh, to your abilities or, you know, additional abilities that you can uh, that, that you can use in combat or in missions. Uh, but because this is Shadowrun, it comes at a cost of your essence. This is a way that they stop, you know, mages from also being technical gods or whatever. You know, the more mm-hmm. shadow, the more cyberware that you put in, uh, the the less the less you're uh, capable of casting spells. Yeah. Essence is basically a stat. Um, it's a resource, um, and it governs your magic. Your magic can only be as high as your essence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, everybody needs to have at least, you know, 0.1 essence or they're not human. And the less right. essence you have, the le- less human you get, mm-hmm. which is something I explored narratively twice Yes. Uh, in this game, like both once with an NPC and once with a companion in mm-hmm. interesting ways. Yes. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, um, we talked a lot of sugar about the companions. Uh, we will continue to do so throughout this episode. Yeah. Um, it's a really good set. Like if you're a fan of like a good set of companions, mm-hmm. you know, you like that, that fucking Dakon Ignis energy, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not quite there because that's mm-hmm. the, the platinum standard, but it's really good. It can hold its own. Yeah. As a set of companions, yeah. different personalities, interesting paths, and the director's cut added, um, uh, loyalty quests that you can do mm-hmm. with them. I always love a good loyalty quest helping solve a problem for them. Um, and you make choices in these individual quests that like determine the reward they get, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like the, the good thing to do is to make the choice that you think is good for the character, but it also will, you know, like you're always this rewarded. Person. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're, you, you know. are always rewarded. It just determines the nature of it. Yep. Again, an obsidian. Yes. Kind of way. Like, you know, making a character, having a character have a dark ending to their quest doesn't mean you, the player, gets fucked. Mm-hmm. The character might be sad. You might feel bad, but they're still getting an advantage because they still learn something. Yeah. Like, um, I, I like loyalty quest as well. I have to care about the character. Yes. You know, and this game does that really well. Mm-hmm. Like every single time, you know, the way these are framed is if you, you keep talking to this person, you're learning about their past because it's interesting. Mm-hmm. At some point they say, Hey, I've got this thing I've got to take care of. And every single time, you know, my option was like, Hey, do you need a second for that? Like, do you need yeah. backup? And I did it not just because I want to explore the game, but also because it's like, yeah, I want to help my buddy. Yeah. You know, like this, this is interesting and you, you've sold it me on mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah, this, this thing has to happen. Like you need to take care of this. And I think that's worthwhile. Let's go do it. Yeah. You know, and it, it feels good. Like I'm invested in the loyalty quest, the same way I invested in the, in the, the Kai's, you know, in the mm-hmm. keys. Uh, and, and that's a, that's a feat. Yep. Yeah. I know I'm repeating myself saying it's a feat, but it's just like, no, it's, it's just good, guys. At, at, good like, game. <laughs> making you, game. making you care about something that happened in a game is real tough. Like it's, it is, it is a fragile thing. It is easy for them to 
like faint in that direction and then step on a rake and boom, there it goes. Yeah. Uh, here it's, you know, it's, it sticks around, you know, it sticks around and grows. And by the end of this, you know, I, I felt, I, I felt very good about the individuals and the unit and the unit as a whole. Yeah. Yep. I love this crew. Yes. Um, it's one of the things in comparing this to its predecessor and its antecedent mm -hmm. that, uh, makes this the standout yep. in the series. Like Hong Kong is very good. The companions are not nearly as good. The location is not nearly as good, even if the plot is really cool, <laughs> which is and, weird because Hong Kong takes place in the Kowloon walled city or like yep. the Kowloon walled city 2.0. It's, it's the, the location as a, as a land is cool. Uh -huh. The, the characters in it and the sense of community is not as good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a big part of this. You know, the kind of scrappy, like the anarchist free state sounds awesome mm -hmm. and has that kind of scrappy, like, yeah, man, mm -hmm. like let fight the power. Like you yeah. don't get that from, from Hong Kong really. Right. Um, even though the actual story of what's happening there is extremely cool. Yeah. Like I have definitely signed myself up for a Hong Kong replay mm -hmm. uh, through playing this and uh, I don't have time for it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Whatever. They got me by the balls. Hairbrained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they, they've, they've shown that they, that they know what they're doing. And even if the characters are not that, you know, not, not that great. No, combat's still really good. Like you're still yeah. doing, you're still doing interesting things. And like the, the combat's actually a little better in that. Like each, yeah. each entry, they make the combat a little bit better, give you more options and yeah. more interesting cyberware, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so as we've alluded to, you know, just the writing and scenario designer top notch, I've got some problems with some of the dialogue options, like who in the world would say this and why. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, generally there is an option that aligns with like, you know, I was role-playing as myself and, uh, there was one that was like, yeah, this seems like something I would say. This is good natured and professional. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's also, it has that thing, uh, that tyranny has where, the dialogue, like the characters you're dealing with aren't idiots. Right, right. And, you know, you, you don't just like logic trap them with one thing. Right. You know, you can say like, you know, I feel like in a lesser game, you'd be like, I wouldn't do that if you I were you and you'd put your hand on your gun. And that would just be like, oh, it works or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And in this game, you can try that. And a character can be like, you're on the fifth floor of an office building. I control all the security. <laughs> <to you." laughs> right. Like people will call you out on bullshit. Like mm -hmm. you can try to bluff some things. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't always work. Like the characters act in a way that feels closer to real, like closer yeah. to, to, you know, a simulation as opposed to just a, a power fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate characters not being fucking idiots. Yep. Like it, it makes the, the dialogue battles of this difficult. Yep. Like it's not just, uh, you know, when you're, when you're arguing, you know, with the end boss of this, to try to talk him out of his evil plan. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, Hey, wouldn't it be better to be good? Yeah. Like, no, this guy, you have to look, think of his background. You have to actually, and he will shut you down trying certain things that aren't going to work. Yeah. And he you has, know? he has psychological issues. He has obsession yeah. problems. He will shut you out. He will, you know, like he's basically brainwashed himself and yeah. like I mean, it will shut down things that would be motivating for somebody who is thinking rationally and seeing clearly. Well, and not only that, but he also will have good arguments for something. Oh, well, yeah. Like you can you can say, you know, because they're all, you know, again, the, the the space this game traffics with and the space that good video games that deal with choice traffic in mm -hmm. is that there's, there, you know, I've said this before. I said during tyranny, I'll say it again. There's no don't give me a choice in a video game if it's not a hard choice. Mm -hmm. Like never say, hey, do you want to starve everyone in the world or do you want everyone to get a free kitten? Right. You know, that's stupid. I, I, rem I remember like in high school in debate class, the, you know, the debate teacher is like, hey, nobody gets to do world hunger as a persuasive essay. No, no. one's against, you know, no one is. A, <laughs> no is one is on the other hunger. side of this issue. No one's on the other side of this issue. And video games do that constantly. Mm -hmm. Like just, you know, do you want like, would you like things to be good or bad? Mm -hmm. That's not a choice. That's not like a, that's not a choice. In this, you know, you're talking to the end boss. You're saying, hey, I think the way forward is this. And they can say, actually, I think it's this. And their argument isn't the dumbest thing in the world. Like, mm -hmm. they're ultimately wrong. Right. But they got a point. Yeah. You know, you, you're not arguing with people who don't have a point. Right. It's like in this. And I, I kind of like straw manning. <laughs> yeah. me nuts. It's, you know, and something that's interesting about this, you know, we're, we're, we're cutting ahead. But, like, the ultimate villain of this, what they're saying isn't wrong. Not at all. You know, yeah. but it's like, man, you really picked a, you pick you pick the worst way to do this. Yeah, and... it, it, it's it's not worth the you know the, the ends don't justify the means right right of this but your ends are not totally misguided right 
So it makes it hard to like, it makes it hard to navigate because you know, just the, the, the collateral damage would be too much for, for, yeah. for what he is, for what he is talking about. And also like the unforeseen consequences, you know, it's pretty obscure to learn what is waiting in the wings. Yeah. 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 I don't know. We're, we're, and, we're getting pretty far into the end stuff, but like they, but, they managed to write this complexly. And, and one of the things, so I understand people who don't want to make hard decisions in a game. Mm-hmm. And I, I respect that. I understand that to me though, then don't offer me any decisions. Right. Like don't give it the cadence. Don't Jade empire me. Mm-hmm. Like don't give it the cadence of this is a cool, hard decision. But have it be like, yeah, but like, of course, I, you know, I'm not going to stomp on the puppy's head. Right. Like, of course, I'm going to say the puppy honors me. Like, just don't <laughs> give me the decision. Yeah. You know, you can you can play a game that is just a narrative that doesn't traffic mm-hmm. in this stuff at all. But don't do it like half ass. Yeah. You know, just just in that case, like play Isaac, you know, play play a video game that doesn't ask you to do that or play yeah. um like Uncharted or something. Play an on rails narrative game. Yeah. Don't you give, know? don't give me the illusion of steering. You yes. Yes. Like, you know, an illusion of steering where or don't give me the power to steer when I am on a like 10 foot wide bridge <laughs> and there's just oblivion at either end and I'll die if I steer off it. <laughs> right. And it's like this yeah. is easy to stay on the track and there's no reason to go off the track. Mm-hmm. Why do I even have control over the wheel? Yeah. You know, it's a uh, just don't do that video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's hard not to do that, mm-hmm. but it's it's so much better when you don't do it. Yeah. Good video games don't do that. Bad video games do. Mm-hmm. Like drives me fucking up a wall um the uh the music is very good yep love this uh tons of quotes to the super nintendo soundtrack mm-hmm. uh which i listened to today while preparing for this and Ooh. that is a that soundtrack fucking bangs yeah it's been forever since um, i listen to that it's really good yeah um a lot of these songs are direct quotes nice from that so. yeah um i just in doing the research i i saw that shadow Realm returns they got the composer for the genesis version back mm-hmm. um and i was like oh man <laughs> yeah can i can i bring that music over to this because i like that music quite a bit it's um, uh they do they yeah. bring up some of the you know all the stuff uh, gets referenced nice those, those games so which is cool yeah it's it's just it's really cool that they don't ignore the fact that those previous Shadowrun games exist the uh the, the super nintendo one is heavily canon in this in the uh shadow returns mm-hmm. so yeah 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 um so you know the gen- the development generalities for like the expansion itself. Like I couldn't find too much about that, so I mean, I'm just gonna include some biographics about Returns, which you know is the base game for this. Uh, you know, Shadowrun's creator Jordan Weissman was lead the lead designer. Uh, he was like, "Yeah, let's get the Shadowrun license back and make a video game that is more faithful than the 2007 first person shooter that Microsoft yeah. put out." Yep, uh, it's an early Kickstarter success. Mm-hmm. Um, at this, I went to, uh, the first time I went to PAX or the second time I went to PAX, uh, he couldn't get a panel. So he held a talk in one of the side rooms. Oh, nice. Jordan Weissman. Yeah. And I was a Kickstarter backer. So I went to it mm-hmm. and I will like forever be positively disposed to this man. You know, who knows if, if he's going to come out as like a sex pastor or what have you, if any of that happened, I don't know about it. Um, but I like him because he was doing a Q and a with mm-hmm. all these people who had backed the game who were Shadowrun super fans mm. and not promising the moon. Nice. Like people were like, Hey, you know, is there going to be uh etiquette? And he's like, we're going to do etiquettes. They're not really in depth. Right. Like, here's how we're going to do etiquettes. And people would be like, well, what if you did this? And he'd be like, we don't have money for that. Yep. <laughs> he was just being really honest and then put out, you know, Shadow Returns, which is like a B game. Yeah. B, B plus game. And then built on that foundation once he had the thing, which is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like ended up making some really incredible games uh, just through not promising the moon and keeping, you know, not letting feature creep and stuff get get ahead of him. Yeah, that is not the way most kickstarter kickstarter stories end. <laughs> kickstarter kickstarter, <laughs> kickstarter. <laughs> most kick stories that's not the way most kick stories ends most kickstarters succumb to that and the fact that he was professional about this and realistically set expectations with people you know who care about the things that he makes and he probably felt wanted to wanted to make them happy you know yeah. just I know that's a, that, that, that's a cool story. I like that. It was, yeah, I loved it. Like I was just like, man, this guy's great. Yeah. You know, really, really loved it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the game can't come to con- consoles. Microsoft still owns the publishing rights mm-hmm. for that. So if that 2007 Shadowrun shooter is really holding us back here. Yeah. So, uh, bummer. Good. We did an object suffering about that a long time ago, 
by this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. Uh, yep. But it's not good. Yeah, it's not good. It's fine. Yeah. But it's not good. It's not Shadowrun. Right. Um, Shadowrun, this was originally an expansion for Shadowrun Returns. It's preceded by Shadowrun Returns. Uh, we keep saying Shadowrun Returns. Originally, that was just going to be the name of the blanket, and there were going to be campaigns within it. Mm-hmm. So what we're referring to is Dead Man's Switch. Yes. Uh, is the name of that story. It is good. It's mm-hmm. not great. Um, and then this is succeeded by Shadowrun Hong Kong, which is somewhere between good and great. Yeah. Um, and Hairbrain Schemes, they, they're working on the Battletech game now, right? Yeah. 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 They did, they did a Battletech game, mm-hmm. uh, that, that came Pe- out that's supposed to be really good. People really love that. Yeah. I would love to play it. I just haven't gotten around to it, but it mm-hmm. looks up my alley. Um, yep. I just don't, I don't care about Battletech as much as I care about Shadowrun, but I, I trust the developer. Yeah. Um, they also did a Souls-like that is not supposed to be very good. What? Uh, <laughs> what yeah, like Souls a soul, did they do? A Souls-like soul, roguelike that's name is escaping me that nobody likes that huh. we could do for a one up, one-off episode of Bonfire Said Chat at some point. Um, but it's not very popular. Yeah. Necropolis. So, yeah. No, yeah no, that's on our Necropolis. list. Yeah. Yeah. People, people do not love Necropolis, but mm. I have not played it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's also something called Shadowrun Boston Lockdown, oh, what? Uh, which I have not played. I think I have it. It's not supposed to be very good and I don't know exactly what it is. Is that the one that just kind of came out of nowhere? Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. So if I, I need to play that and I need to play the visual novel and I will have played all of the Shadowrun games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, oh, but, the, you, you can, you can look at the twin reasons. I have not, uh, <laughs> dove into that. You're right. so, so, I'm good. <laughs> I'm I, I don't like the, the, the visual novel has, is, is pretty titty. So, Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Was it developed in America or, or yeah, it, it was like a, it's like a Sega Saturn or like a, uh, it's like a Sega Saturn game. Okay. It wasn't developed in America. It's not translated. You have to do like a patch gotcha. and it's not like tits are not hanging out, but it's pretty cleavagey. My understanding mm. is it's a little horny and it's not particularly shadow runny. Uh, there's gotcha. no combat in it. Um, yeah. yeah, I have not, uh, I've only read about it. I haven't played it. Yeah. I, I could, I could see shadow run being popular in Japan. It says like, Oh, like this is based on a manga that uh manga adaptation of shadow run. Yeah. Yeah. Nineties yeah. manga. Not, not necessarily my thing, but yeah. 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 Could so be. someday perhaps could be fine. Um, so that's about it for our generalities. There's a lot more specific things to talk about, but we'll get into them, mm-hmm. uh, in the episode. Yeah. Um, if you are hearing this now, um, you, this is the end of the episode. Uh, we appreciate you listening to this. If you want to hear the full episode, uh, it is for our patrons. If you go to patreon.com slash duck feed TV mm-hmm. pledge at $5 a month, you can get access to this immediately. In addition to, uh, every other premium episode that we have done, um, uh, of watch out for fireballs, the full, uh, bonfire side chat returns catalog and the, uh, full catalog of unfilmable, our podcast mm-hmm. about, uh, adaptations of HP Lovecraft's work to screen, um, and, uh, also adaptations of like Lovecraftian things. As of this recording, we had just recorded an episode about the lighthouse, which is a very good mm-hmm. movie. Uh, it was a fun episode and we think you would enjoy it. Yeah. So, uh, dive in. Mm-hmm. We appreciate your support.